Welcome to the Giant Leadership Podcast, where we help leaders like you get the knowledge and skills you need to impact more people and live the life you've always wanted. Get ready to experience tools, tips, and advice by the co-founders of Giant and best-selling authors, Jeremy Kubacek and Steve Cockrum. Hey friends, welcome to the Giant Leadership Podcast. What's happening, Steve Cockrum? How are you today, my friend? I'm very well, Jeremy. Thank you. I've finally completed my travels. Um, been back on the road again, but I'm now home, ready for Christmas. Well, I am fired up to hear. Man, I've, I've, I'm. You, you texted me and you were saying you're in Amsterdam, and I was trying to figure out Amsterdam. Where in the world? Then I figured out you're in Norway. So, um, how's your Norwegian? Can you give us an example? Oh, it's brilliant. I just go, slaughter border, slaughter border, bread and butter, Norway. <laughs> <laughs> Although the irony is, of course, the Norwegians speak English better than we do, certainly better than the Americans do. So <laughs> so in some ways, it's just I'm always in just complete awe when they just switch between speaking Norwegian to each other and then they see, you know, the poor little Brits have arrived. So they all just immediately just start speaking English so that we can feel included. If ever there was a caring culture in the world, Jeremy, Norway is it. We, we One of our hosts, okay, I took Becky, one of our sort of giant partners with me, and uh, she'd sent message that she was a celiac, sort of dairy gluten-free, and they'd actually made virtually a completely separate dinner just for her. You know, we had a Thanksgiving dinner with an American Norwegian, and there was stuffing for, a, for her and her own little dish of gravy. It was only in Norway do they do that level because they have celiac. They have, they have celiac cows over there, right? That they produce. Yes, different... they do. Yeah, <laughs> special, cho- special chocolate. <laughs> oh, Norwegian chocolate! Don't get me going. Oh, it's not good my for my goodness. diet. Well, for those of you listening, welcome. And the the beauty of about what we get to do is we're we get to work around the world, and I think we're over. I think we're in like six hundred comp countries now <laughs> that's that, that's the connector spin. the total exaggeration <laughs> i know it's over 243 i know it's over 117 to be official yeah. but the beauty yeah. is we get to travel. well you've just recently got to travel historically yes. we've gotten to travel yeah, yeah. but yes. we've got uh we've got teams going to uh asia moving to asia you're in in norway that's awesome um it's one more little uh uh, thought from Norway. What was what was the uh, experience like? Uh, it's so clean. It's so beautiful. It's so caring. The children are all perfect. The food is remarkable. <laughs> but just that. But I think the thing was that um, I was in Stavanger, which is the oil capital of Norway, about two hundred fifty thousand people, and we have um, one of our giants there, uh, John Sicarius, um, who. I don't know anybody who has spent more time mastering and learning what Giant is and what we do. I mean, I listen to him and it sounds like you and me, the best of is he's taken all of those things and actually has had such an impact in the city already. And we were going out to really kind of help catalyze some of the work there. We met with a whole group of business leaders, political leaders. And in some ways, he'd done such an amazing job. They were all waiting for giant and literally said we want to use what you've created to create a common leadership vocabulary for our city we would like every sphere of culture whether that's in medicine business nonprofits health education 
we think if we could use a common vocabulary that's been built for the needs of the digital world, we could actually do something amazing in our city of a quarter of a million people. So I was like, I love the strategic thinking. They're a classic INTJ culture, you know, pioneer creative culture, but they see things with such clarity and they see things with such um, with such humility. That's probably why I enjoyed it so much because obviously humility is a real strength of mine. And uh, Norway, <laughs> Norway, it's just, they have something called Juntalor. No, no one's actually allowed to boast in what they do. So I've no idea how connectors survive in Oh Norway. my goodness, but yeah. You, you literally do? have to underplay <laughs> everything you do seek no credit publicly and let people say nice things about you but you always put yourself down in public so i did think of you i did think of you that probably norway was not the place for you to go wow <laughs> wow i just got thrown under the bus in front of all of our friends now that's that's normal that that's right there true. was love that was love that was british love uh, well, That's speaking right. of, I, I've been doing something recently. I've been watching. Now, I, I haven't been traveling. My wife is in Israel right now. Kelly is in Israel, and she's having the time of her life. But the, the Omnicom, whatever, virus mm -hmm. uh, shut down Israel. She was the last flight in. They had, no she way. was there doing filming for a TV production for the Bethlehem uh, <laughs> tree lighting. <laughs> and she was helping a friend uh, as kind of her right hand. Just. How did Kelly get invited to the Bethlehem tree lighting from Oklahoma? Uh, I've well, got to hear you know, this. Come on. No, it's our friends. You know, we, we don't, Oklahoma is where we live, but you know, we live globally, right? So we have mm. friends all over the world. And so we had a, a good friend of ours in San Antonio who was mm. doing the project, asked her to go. Um, and so they went, they landed, they shut the airport down. It was the last flight in to Israel. So they turned everything off. Well, they had 400 people coming. And. No all the tour guides, buses, well, they'd already paid for some of it. So it was, you know, guaranteed. Well, anyway, long story short, Kelly and Tiffany are touring <laughs> Israel by themselves with two of the best <laughs> tour guides. There's no one there. Like she said, it was completely like they're literally walking around. There's no tourists. So they're having the time of life. And all the while I'm at home, you know, just, cranking it, make it happen, working longer hours than I normally would. But I have been watching something in the background. I wanted to bring it up. Come on. It is, uh, it's the, the Beatles get back documentary on Disney. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, is their last, I guess it was Abbey road, uh, album or whatever. And one of their last albums. And it's been really fascinating, but I, I've been learning all about, uh, just the Beatles, the back, you know, the, the insider information and, and if Tracy and I were talking, if they had had the five voices, they would have totally, I mean, it's like watching every one of their voices and trying to ascertain, like, is, uh, was George a creative, uh, you know, was uh, seemingly, was Paul a pioneer, was just watching them and their dialogue. And they could have stayed together. Long point, mm. if they had had our content in 1960-something, they would have still been playing. Of course, they died. But anyway. I love that. I always think that basically, um, you know, obviously for our 5 million listeners now, because we've gone up a million since the last podcast. Wow. Release, yeah. Um, it's impressive. Yeah. Oh, oh, just I have my special statistics that you just need to trust me on. Um, <laughs> basically, once you get giant, once you get voices, I watch it. It was like with um, John Sakaris, it's, it's a bit like The Matrix. 
where you can suddenly see the green letters and numbers go down. And when you're watching people interact in a room, when they have, like you just said, when they have voices and lenses to understand, something amazing happens. When they don't, you watch them, um, you know, often just miss each other in the way you've described. I mean, I was off-site last week with um, the executive team of Biogen for the UK and Ireland. Here's, here's a challenge to you. I've never been with a team that has behaved better over two days celebrating each other's voices and listening to each other. This has been in their water system for four years. I watched an executive team of 12 people, and I've never seen a higher-performing team, um, possibly with the exception of Giant HQ, but since you and I left, it's gone to a, you know, a much higher level of coordination. But I was just going, watching people with the lenses and the tools and watching it done well, I was just blown away. So Beatles, Biogen, I think that was the alliteration. But so what's your <laughs> conclusion then, Jez? Is, how, is there a pop band today that you follow that you think you could be their coach to help them go to number one the world over? It is a competitive advantage if you understand people, if you mm. know people and can communicate to them. But the the oft rule, the, the rule that, that most people do is simply do what you do. This is what mm. my style is, so I communicate, which is laziness. So the platinum rule, do unto others as they would want done unto them. So yeah. that was that was it. But I do have, hey, before we jump into the topic, I do have a test, a quiz. Since you're, Ooh, you know, since you're in England I right like now. Quizzes. I like quizzes. Uh, I, I'm going to give you a choice. You got the, there's, there's the top three downloaded Beatles songs, the, the highest downloaded Beatles songs. I want you to try yeah. to name... Let's see how many you can get out of the top three. Oh, that is my quiz. Okay, I'll go for That's yesterday. Okay. Yesterday, and is that in the top one? Keep three? going. No. Oh. Number nine. <laughs> Was it number nine? I'm not a, Here's the thing. I don't listen to the Beatles that much. I mean, it's terrible. What? Um, yeah, I thought I the Beatles the Americans, were... Americans think the no. Beatles equal Britain. Well, but they don't. Yeah, most do people think most Americans think London is Britain. So you know, it's like there's a limit to <laughs> um, what I'm trying to think. What else I know? Um, I don't know. Um, okay, should I give them to you? Then? Come on, tell me. All tell right, me. number Go one, on. number one. Here comes the sun. Here comes, and it makes sense because all the Brits are always wanting to see the sun because <laughs> the sun never shines say, except for two months. It, it, in Liverpool, that was probably more of a prayer. <laughs> <laughs> number two, let it be. Yeah, okay. Number three, Hey Jude. There you go. Top three. All right, let's do this. Let's bring Tracy on. Tracy, welcome. Hey. Hey there. Thanks for putting up with us. You've got a question for us. I do have a question. Yes. What is From our listeners. By the way, anybody listening, please send in your leadership questions. We want to hear them. So send those in to hello at giantworldwide.com. But here's one from Carolyn in LA. She says, I feel drained at my job most of the time. I like the company I'm working for, but I don't like... Uh, I don't feel like I'm in the right position. How do I move to a position that makes me feel like I'm using my talents more? Ah, thank you. Awesome. Let's go, Steve-O. Or how would you, where would you start? I'm going to give you one shot and I have one. Okay. I'm going with 70-30. Ah, that was mine. Okay, that was yours. Yeah. Cochrane's Law. I wrote it. So go on and you, you explain it. So yeah, well, yeah, at least we're both on the same page. Yeah, okay. So the idea, this, this is Steve's um, tool. And, and the idea is that you should spend, you need to spend 70% of your time in the things that are energizing, that bring you life, that you're consciously confident in, that you're, you're unconsciously competent. You're just good at it and, and you know it. 
30% of the time, the things that you've learned how to do, they're draining activities. Uh, you may have to fill out that report, take the trash out, whatever. Those things that you know you have to do, but they're not life-giving. But if that, if that 70% drops to 60, 40, 50, 50, maybe 40, 60, or 30, 70, then you're underwater. And when you're underwater too long, you drown. And that's the reality that, that uh, you, you need to really adjust. So if you review your work from the 70-30 lens, then that should give you an opportunity to figure out what sections in your work are not providing enough energizing activity or don't fit your sweet spot. Then you have to decide you know, what you can do about it. So, uh, Which brings me up to another tool. I'm going to tee you up on a tool that you created as well. Uh, that you can teach on, which is control the controllables. Come so on. the the idea then, uh, tell that, share that. Well, you're very kind. I mean, I always say that basically we always create tools together. Somebody may come up with the first idea, but it's always better when both of us do it. And I think it came out of uh, um, a lot of leaders we work with spend a lot of time worrying about things they can't actually change. So we, we developed a tool called control the controllables. And you, you really have three areas. One is where you really have authority to make decisions on. That's where you're really, you know, that's a fully green. The next layer out is where you have influence over that decision. So you get to make a contribution. People value your opinion. Um, you get to be part of the decision. You may not make the final decision. And then there's the zone outside that, which is usually one of frustration, where you actually don't have a lot of influence and you also don't have decision-making authority and responsibility. So one of the things, Carolyn, for you is to go, ask yourself the question, what can you control? And I think what Jeremy shared is, is really poignant. We often say for the 70-30, your first two voices are usually your 70%. So if you, you know, like me, I'm a pioneer connector. If I'm doing pioneer connecting things 70% of my time, I will always have the energy to do the guardian nurture things, which are in my 30%. So in a sense, if I'm able to change my work so that I get to do more of what I do, or even perhaps even be able to communicate with the person who maybe is my line manager or is shaping career so that they understand what that looks like. Because what often happens is people get really drained and their performance and enjoyment start to drop. And people then begin to think that you're not a, a great worker. Whereas actually what it means is usually you're working incredibly hard, often sacrificially for the rest of the team, but because you're living outside the 70-30 principle, you always end up the one looking like you're the one who's worn out, less committed or whatever it might be. So, um, yep. So change the things you can control, Carolyn, but also then maybe share voices in 70-30 with whoever it is that line manages you and say, how could I make a transition to the point where I get to do more of what I'm naturally gifted at and use the voices, the lens. So I hope that's helpful. And for all of you listening, uh, what, what Steve and I have done from the very beginning is we've, we've created tools that um, are visual. They're uh, simple to understand, but they're very powerful. And it's a 21st century uh, learning where it's micro learning. You learn in small uh, uh, batches and then you teach it to someone else. And then when you teach, you learn as well as, as you transform or liberate or unlock people. And the beauty of what we get to do is we get to partner with people around the world to do this. We basically created content and a technology platform that um, people certify on. And we made it so um, inexpensive and so easy to use 
that you can then add it into your repertoire. So if you're a coach, you want to do this full-time, great. If you want to do it part-time, great. Or if you're inside a company and want to bring it in or add it in, we have multiple different ways that you can find that out at giantworldwide.com. But what I wanted to, what I'm super excited about was you get to see an example today of someone, and Steve's going to introduce this person who has, um, uh, is an example of one of these people around the world. So Steve, who's our, who's our guest today? This is a huge honor. Um, we are going to introduce to you the one, the only, uh, Miss Jazz Amplifar, who is way more famous and expensive, Jeremy, than you and I will ever be. And you and I have had to go without food for three weeks just to afford the appearance fee of Jazz Amplifar on the Giant Leadership Podcast. So, Jazz, you are incredibly welcome. We feel very, very honored that you took time out of your global <laughs> extravaganza um, to join just humble Jeremy and I on the Giant Leadership Podcast. So you're very welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure. I'm still waiting for the check. Is that in the post? Is that what's happening? Do you know, that's been a problem yeah. a couple of times. So just, you know. It's we'll... uh, COVID. COVID. Right, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's it, it's in the post. So, Jazz, this is our, our giant interview. Um, it's one of the parts of the, the show we love most, where we get to meet some incredible people. And the, we ask three questions, as I hope you know. But the first is this, is to go, how on the earth did you get connected to Giant? Mm. Tell us a little bit about that story, first of all. And then we'll go on to ask, what have been some of the, the biggest changes for you through your engagement with Giant stuff? And then we'll let you tell some stories as only you can about where you've taken it and added it into the amazing things you do to create that transformational change, multiplication in others. So how do you connect with Giant, first of all, Jams? Yeah, I was hoodwinked into being in the Giant world. It wasn't a choice. I, I have a very good friend called Dane Sanders, who is um, American lived over in California and came over to London and invited me to stay at a stranger's house because I'm going to love five voices was his exact words. And I'm like, you can't just invite people to stay. That's not how it works in Britain. You can't just rock up at someone's house and invite your friends. So anyway, he, he did this a couple of times and he was at Steve's house. And, and when he sort of said, oh, I mean, he said where Steve lives. And I'm like, I made massive assumptions straight away. And my words were, I, I'm at full capacity of white male middle class leaders. I don't need any more. I've, I've collected enough. I've got, I'm over capacity, actually. So I, I really don't need any more. But thank you so much for the offer. Anyway, so I came along because there was free food involved and met Steve and had the Steve experience really, of having these, like getting the chance to, to be a human being rather than a human doing and actually ask some really big questions and answer some really big questions or start to grapple with it. And then the five voices tools were just a kind of, you know, when you go bowling and you have those rails up when you're a kid, so it doesn't go off the side. That's what five voices Jeremy, Jeremy still uses those Does when it? we well, go bowling. <laughs> make sure you win. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I just got, I, I, I want to say I got sucked in, but actually it was an intentional choice to opt into being braver. And, and that journey has, yeah, I know everyone must say this, but yeah, it's transformed my life. Transformed my life. Well, tell us a little bit more then about, you know, obviously Voices was important for you. To tell everyone a little bit about some of the, the ways that things changed for you. Um, what were some of those big aha breakthroughs for you personally? Blimey. Well, we'll keep it to the top 27, shall we? So first of mm -hmm. all, like my background, I, I, um, I was a broken child. I grew up in and out of foster care. I was abused by my own parents. I lived on the streets as a teenager. I hated myself and I hated everybody else. And I navigated 
becoming staying in education and becoming a teacher and and going on to be a trainer and do lots of stuff around mindset and education i navigated that because i was able to let a handful of people in people who did withness you know lots of people were doing things to me others were doing things for me uh they did things with me. A witness is very powerful because it encourages, it's empathy, it's not sympathy. So I, I kind of navigated my way through to not brokenness, I guess, but we're still very, I yeah, just riddled with imposter syndrome and hiding who I truly was because I was terrified that other people wouldn't find that acceptable, scared to be, you know, professionally vulnerable and personally authentic even though that's who I knew I was the woman I was created to be was that but I was I was just driven by fear the whole time so partly five voices and the tools partly it was unpicking who I was the woman I was created to be not the woman that the world had told me I should be and and unpicking some of the stories that I had around who I was and what I was capable of and what I was allowed and what I wasn't allowed, and and unpicking, challenging some of those kind of limiting beliefs. So the you know who says you can't tool, which is my favourite tool of all time, was really interesting, and it just meant that suddenly I had a way of you know codifying more human hacking. Like one of my biggest questions is who was I meant to be? Who would I have been if I wasn't interrupted? If I wasn't a girl interrupted, who was I gonna be? And is that gone now? Have I lost that opportunity? Is is am I making the best of a bad job? Is that my entire story? And the answer mm -hmm. is no. That there's so much about my nature that was that was planted in there. And then I I know we've got nature nurture now. I, I, nature nurture choice. I talk about nature nurture and now. And now is the powerful bit. And that's what I've been able to change. The now I've been able to take stories that I've had for years stories about myself, stories that others tell about me, stories that I tell about myself and actually reframe them. Like I've reinvented what those stories mean. So I've opened completely different doors and not been held back by, you know, someone else's description of what excellence might look like in my life. Amazing, Jazz. I mean, you know, I, I'm privileged, I guess, to hear more of that. And, and people who, you know, will put some things in the show notes for those of you who want to hear Jazz's TED Talk, which mm -hmm. I don't know how many million people listen to now, but just her story in depth we're just wetting people's appetites alone but just give us some examples of where you know you not only experience personal transformation through i guess the, the giant family and the giant mm. tools but you've taken them and you've taken them into your world so give us a couple examples of where what we would call the 100x the multiplication mm. piece where you have taken giant into your world and seen liberation happen in others through what it is you've been doing so I um, take the tools and make them like I'm a teacher. So I, I did a lot of work in education. I work with leaders there and CEOs. Um, so I do a lot of keynotes across corporate, but education is where my heart is. So I know the issues facing people who feel that they're in a judgmental kind of vocation, certainly in Britain with the, the government and the DfE and then school leaders and then the actual deliverers and then the students. And a lot of the time it feels like it has felt like the government and schools and parents are on three different teams in the NFL. And really it's the, it's the, the audience of young people and students who are missing out while everyone you know, has a big fight on the pitch. So 
what the one thing I've hated all my life is not being black or white, not being middle class or working class, having to having to walk this line in the middle and not belonging to either. But actually, what I've realized through Giant is that the gift of being able to have a foot in both camps. And when the game is set up for me to lose, then I just play my own game in the middle. But I make it so compelling and inviting that other people want to join me. So I've used the tools to help leaders um process and understand like staff and teams and then I've hoped help use the tools to help staff and teams process and understand um like young people and children like some of the examples are I, I had a leader the other day saying you know that I've told my team what to do and they don't do it they don't listen and and it's just really frustrating and I'm like well either they're lying awake at night thinking of ways to annoy you which is you know possible but unlikely <laughs> or you haven't met them where they are. You, they haven't bought into the vision. You haven't been clear enough. And the good news is you could do something about that. Here's a load of lenses that can actually help you. That's the thing you can control. So, and then also with students, I think in particular for me, there's the, and it works in teams, but when someone's presenting as annoyed or aggressive or not on board or in whatever way, if it's like a teenager squaring off against someone, or it's always the idea of what, this is the front, what's behind the front? What's driving that? And being able to hack into, hack human hack, really, hack into what the, the drivers are behind that and speak to those drivers. Because it literally puts you in a, a massive position of in, incredible influence because people feel, oh my gosh, they're, they are actually, they care beyond what I'm pre pre presenting. They care deeper than that. They're able to usurp the protection, the kind of, you know, protecting myself that I have in place. They look at what's behind, the, the mess, the dirtiness, the, the fear, and they stand with me in that chaotic fire. So I've used the tools to help people translate down and up and across. It's, it's belonging. I've used the tools to create belonging. I'm going to ask question. you one more question and then oh, oh, I'll do, can I do one more, Jez, then, then you go. So, Jez, you, you, you inspire me every time I hear you. And I know that you leading a movement called everyday heroes mm -hmm. and that's another one of those places where i think the outlet of going actually something is just you and overflow so just give us a little minute on the everyday hero passion that you have because mm. you know if, if you think giant has that phrase we unlock the potential of people yeah i think in some ways you probably codify it better than we do so just give us a little bit of everyday heroes then i'll let, then I'll let jeremy jump in and be like yeah selfish. everyday heroes came from just describing regular people you know we don't have to wear your sort of undercrackers on top of your tights all right you can be a normal regular human medium person vanilla flavor but you, the tiniest things we do can have the biggest impact on others because our story and their story are different. And for me, it was like, you'll see in my TED talk, but it was five teachers who did small things like just say hello to me every day, met me where I was, smiled. And those were things that I was not experiencing at home or anywhere else. So they were, they were imprinted as massive pieces of impact. And so what I want to celebrate is people's ability to be human first and professional second, human first, parent second, human first, whatever it is you do, we're humans first. And so it kind of came out of this dissatisfaction with people using the word just to describe what they do. Like I'm just a CEO, I'm just a teacher, I'm just a mom. It's a belittler. 
and 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 people kind of not standing on the truth about how much agency they have, how much control they can actually have over how they show up, how much impact and how much difference they can make on others. Like I should be dead. I should be in a, a, a psych ward or, or, or lost in a world of sexual exploitation. And I'm not because other people were intentional about how they met me where I was. So everyone can do that. It doesn't matter whether you're five years old or whether you're a hundred years old, everybody, whether you're leading or being led, everybody has access to become an everyday hero. It's the smallest things that make the biggest difference. And if you are, you either Forrest Gump your way through life or you show up intentionally and say, this is what, this is the story I'm writing. And you take control of that story. And when people do, amazing miracles happen. My question in, in my, the last one in jazz is, you know, you think about the tool that you mentioned, mm -hmm. um, which is really talks about inhibition and prohibition and people feel uh, yeah. prohibited uh, when they may be inhibited. Mm. So the, the uh, inhibit, inhibition, what that looks like, what, what, what's one thing that you could give one little tool for anyone listening, just one tip to unlock them today, to be less inhibited. It's it's really interesting because it takes it takes a little bit of bravery, not courage. Courage is where you are. Like firefighters are courageous; they run towards burning buildings. The rest of us are running opposite direction. Bravery is where you're terrified, but you still decide to take the first step. And I I, I kind of what I learned through lockdown is that I I freedom is is chaos for me. I need I'm an ENFP. I need to have constraints in order to shine. So one of the things I came up with is that if I need help. If I am stuck, I will celebrate that by reaching out to someone else and saying, please, could you give me a kind kick up the bottom in this area? That's if I, I just reach out and make a request. And if I don't need help, then I offer that kind kick up the bottom to someone else. And both of those take courage. And, and it requires you to get out of your own way when it comes to the stories that you've told yourself. They've become so familiar. They feel like a jacket that is part of your second skin. It, a jacket is a jacket. You can take it off, go down the shop, buy yourself a new one. So it's it's that it's that ability to get out of your own way. It's that's what I love about that tool. That tool that tool turns keeps me being a phenomenal human female on a daily basis. So I yeah, thank you both for that. But yeah, that that will be is that good advice? I think that's good advice. A kind kick up the bottom. I think that works. Yeah. Well, I, and as a connector, creative pioneer that you are, and I am that as well. Um, it's good to have you on. And, you know, part of me is like, are you sure you're not American? How are you living in England? I don't know what the, I don't know what the Brits think of you. That would be interesting. Aspirational. <laughs> I'm looking to be adopted. I'm an aspirational American. <laughs> <laughs> Jazz, thank you so much for being with mm -hmm. us. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for being a liberator, freedom fighter, and for unlocking people. Appreciate it. Thanks and take care. All right, Steve-O. Well, a um, lot of inspiration today. Any, <laughs> any, uh, any last thoughts from you today from Jazz or anything else you want to share? Oh, well, two things. One, I, I, it, you are always my most inspirational communicator, but Jazz is, I think I've now got a female version to you um, in the sense that when she tells stories, she draws people in. And uh, there's something the connectors do that no one else does, and I want to celebrate that. But the thing I want to just, my final thought for the day is to go, um, I've been teaching a lot this week about um, learning how to lead in the world that is now rather than the world that was, and particularly for anyone who was born before 1982, right, which is me and probably you and a fair number of our 5 million listeners. And what I realized was, and what I was encouraging people to do in, in Norway, was, which is countercultural, 
that actually for those of us who are um, born not native to the digital world we now live in, to find mentors who are younger than us to help us see the world. And it was really humbling, actually, to watch some of the older, wise, celebrated gray hair leaders where I went literally say, I want somebody younger who really knows the world that is and is coming to teach me how to navigate it. And so this idea of almost thinking about who do we need to help us in our at times unconscious incompetence. And Jazz has done that for me. That's why, you know, it's hard sometimes for, for people who are, you know, I try not to generalize, but I'm a particular age, a particular ethnicity, a particular kind of social class and, and wealth. How do I actually talk to somebody whose experience is different? So I'm so grateful for the friendship I have with Jazz. And we had a call on Team Call this morning where we spent an hour with Jazz helping. It started with her saying, you know, she said, one of my dreams is I go, what would I do all day if I was a white, middle-aged, middle-class male? And it had never crossed my mind. So this idea for me, the thought is actually find people who are different to you, whether they be younger because they know the digital world or whether because of their life experience and because of maybe their ethnicity or their gender, actually to be always a learner, but recognize that having mentors who are younger than you or from a different socioeconomic background to you or a different race ethnicity i'm finding incredible value in inviting them to be my teacher and to share their tools with me so you know as always with me if i'm learning something then i usually find a way to make everyone else share my pain on the journey but that's that's a big one for me i don't think it'll end overnight but i'm seeing the benefit and i'm going to push after it and encourage others to do the same what about you well and so and you're in the mid you're mid 70s so that would be anyone um <laughs> in the 50s would be yeah so yeah so I'm i not, I, uh, may, good... I, may f- <laughs> I may feel that old with my knee when i'm in the snow of norway but uh i'm in the same decade as you jeremy so i'm going to call it uh ps uh <laughs> you've got ps steve's got pre, pre i knew him in the ps era the pre-spectacle era <laughs> In the post-spectacle <laughs> era. No, I'm joking. I think that's yeah. great, dude. Uh, my, my takeaway would be um, this week I had a chance to um, serve someone and help unlock someone who's going through a divorce or a, or keep trying to keep from a divorce, lost mm-hmm. their job. It was like a country song. I mean, it was literally... <laughs> they luckily had not lost their dog. It was like they lost their... Uh, almost lost their marriage, almost lost, they lost their job. And it's just difficult. But what was so amazing was this person, uh, we have a tool called, you know, uh, responsive versus resistant. And he just didn't realize how his inability to connect, he was a creative, and uh, he would go inward. And his uh, lack of connecting pushed people away and he basically kind of caused a lot of this to happen all at one time but he was so responsive and so humble and basically goes i realize i've lost seven years of my life in this you know pain and certain things and it was just a start of a journey to help this person uh become free and and basically restore and that was the word it was restoration and it was like renew refresh restore this person because he was responsive 
And that's what I love about it. So when, when Jazz talked about inhibition and prohibition, that's what he was, he's inhibited. And we were talking through um, that uh, at great length. So for any of you listening, this stuff is real. What we do, uh, the work that we try to do, we simply try to give tools that anyone can use. So you, you, uh, you can practice some of these uh, tools that help with emotional intelligence and personality and IQ. And all of them are designed to help unlock the potential inside of all of us. And it really works inside teams. It really works inside families and, and personally. So for all of you listening, thank you so much. Can't wait to see you next time on the Giant Leadership Podcast. Until then, cheers. If you're looking for a speaker for your next event, whether live or remote, Jeremy Kubitschek speaks to audiences all over the world. Jeremy is a best-selling author, international speaker, and co-founder of Giant Worldwide. He has started over 20 companies while living in Oklahoma City, Moscow, Atlanta, and London. Whether you're looking to impact your executive team, your entire organization, or if you're hosting a public event, go to jeremykubitschek.com to learn more.